Hi, this is Shannon from SIS4Teachers.org. Thanks so much for joining us for our blog this week. Last but not least, we're closing out Working with Fractions series with subtracting fractions using concrete pictorial abstract, also known as CPA. When it comes to subtracting fractions, this operation is very similar to adding fractions and how students understand it. We always believe that the CPA approach is the best way to help students gain an in-depth understanding of what we're conceptually asking them to do so they don't just learn a procedure with a concept they don't understand. Pattern blocks are one of the concrete tools we like to use when help students understand the concept. I'm super excited because I found some new pattern blocks from one of my friend's photos that I saw and the reason why I'm so excited is because they now have a brown piece in the set that represents one four and they also have a purple piece that represents 112th. Don't fret, we have the link on Amazon right here in our blog. You don't have to order all new pattern blocks, you can just order the bonus extra set. When we're going to use pattern blocks in our videos in the blog today, remember the one hole is going to be a hexagon, the trapezoid is a half, the rhombus is one-third and the triangle is one-sixth. And then we also have our very fun brown shape, that's one-fourth. Subtracting with common denominators. Let's look at three-fourths minus one-fourth. As we start to build by putting three-fourths on top of the whole, if three brown pieces are on top of the hexagon and it, beco it becomes very easy to see if I take off one-fourth, then I'll be left with two-fourths. Of course, this is not in the simplest form of the fraction. Building the problem and visualizing them with pattern blocks also makes it easy for students to be able to simplify their fractions. They may match up pattern blocks and see what piece will cover the total. In this case, it's easy to see that the trapezoid, or the one-half, fits right over those two-fourths, so one-half is equivalent to two-fourths. This same process works for subtracting fractions larger than one. Yep the top heavy fractions where the numerator is larger than the denominator. Often heard of as improper fractions, although they legitimately are fractions, right? They're just larger than one. For this example in the video, I'm gonna take 10 six and build it with the pattern blocks. We'll use two hexagons to show that the fraction is larger than one. We will use a layering system with the other blocks so we can represent the six. Once I count out all 10 of my six on top, I can see everything clearly on top of the hexagons. I can see that one hexagon is full and I have six six and then the other piece has four six. So I know that ten six is equal to one and four six. Now that I have built the, the pattern block, I need to take away the 7 6 away from the 10 6. I can easily see how they all work with the 6 6, which is the full one whole, and then take off one more six to get the rest of it, which leaves me with 3, 6. I can see that three triangle pieces, compare it to the brown, and see that the pieces of 3, 6 are also equal to 2, 4. I can also put the trapezoid on top and see that 3, 6 is equal to 1 half. What about when we start talking about subtracting fractions with uncommon denominators? You can use pattern box to work with the types of fractions. I always love to use patty paper for fraction examples, but I think the ideal tool here is going to be our area model papers that we can use in the tool that I'll show you in the video. With the area model papers in this example, my whole is going to be red, half is going to be orange, the color yellow is going to be force, one eighth pink, and then one sixteenth is going to be our green. My problem is going to be something simple to start off. Seven eighths minus four sixteenths. Let's pause for a second and make sure that students really understand what 7 eighths is and what it's asking. 
So we're going to build 7 eighths by stacking 7 pink pieces on top of the hole. At a glance I can notice I only need 1 more eighth to cover the hole, but I want to take away 4 sixteenths. At this point we are quick to teach children a procedure. Hey, just skip count, find the common denominator. However, I love taking an inquiry-based approach to problem solving, especially with fractions like these. I want students to think about how they can solve this problem in multiple ways. I'll put sixteenths on top of the seven a's. And when I do that I can easily see that seven a's is equivalent to fourteen sixteenths. Then it's easy to subtract the problem because I've made them all sixteenths. I have to just take four sixteenths away from my fourteen sixteenths, which I easily end up with ten sixteenths. Although ten sixteenths is not in its simplest form, but it is definitely correct. I'm not worried about simplifying as much as I am with helping students discover an answer and solve the problem using concrete tools in the beginning. Let's look at the same problem again. Seven eighths minus four sixteenths. In the video I might pause and see if children can find a quicker way to solve it. Some students might notice that I could have just used eighths instead of sixteenths. So I could have taken four sixteenths and put the one eighths on top to show that I would be equivalent to two eighths. So when the problem becomes now seven eighths minus two eighths, we can solve it much more quickly and find out that we have five eighths. In this case, the answer is in its simplest form and we eliminated the step of having to reduce or simplify. Let's talk about subtracting fractions with mixed numbers. When students start to learn about subtracting mixed numbers, it's important to make sure they understand it in a conceptual way. For this example, I'm going to switch back to pattern blocks. While I do love the area model papers, pattern blocks really do a great job of representing it with mixed numbers because you don't need to have multiple sets of area model papers. Let's take 2 and 2 thirds minus 1 third. I'm going to build it with two holes with two hexagons and then I'll have two rhombuses to show that two thirds. I can simply just take off the third and see the answer will be two and one third. This is pretty simple but where sometimes students get tripped up is when they have to rename the numbers. Sometimes we call it borrowing but borrowing really means that we're not going to give it back. Right? So that's not what we're really going to do when we're subtracting. The or the de to demonstrate concretely how to rename the fractions, we'll use the example of 2 and 1 third minus 2 thirds. I cannot take 2 thirds away from half. I'm sorry, I cannot take 2 and 1 thirds minus 2 thirds. I cannot take away 2 thirds from only having 1 third because that's not going to work. So we have to think about this in a different way. I like to be able to show this with DC. DC stands for decomposing and composing. Therefore, he can rename the two and one third. We'll do that problem concretely and pictorial in the video. I'm going to start by changing the hold into three thirds adding it to the remaining one-third. So now it becomes one and four-thirds. I know that I just kind of renamed that. Students can see, clearly see what's happening when they're looking at the pattern blocks when they're renaming. We can also ask students to prove do they still think one and four-thirds is equal to two and one-third by building the number that we just did. Once the number is renamed, students can easily see that it's now possible to take away the two-thirds from the new amount of one and four-thirds. I prefer to show this horizontally versus stacked in the traditional algorithm at first because I want to promote their number sense 
and what they're doing versus just having them memorize the procedure. In our last example, we're going to look at how to take 1 and 1 fourth away from 3. I know that taking away the 1 will be pretty easy, but how am I going to take away a fourth when I have 3 holes? Again, using DC, I'm going to decompose that 3 and rename it into 2 and 4 fourths. This will make it visually easier for me to take away 1 and 1 fourth because I know I'm going to take away 1 hexagon and 1 1 fourth, leaving me a nice easy answer of 1 and 3 fourths. We can also do subtracting with springling. We can't leave out subtraction, without, especially with fractions, without our favorite math mite friend. She's the fanciest math bite and was born with a coily tail and fancy eyelashes with fluffy fur. Fractions on a number line is a really important concept for students to learn, especially because using an open number line to find the distance between the two numbers is something that they will get, need to get used to for middle school. For Springling's example, we're going to start off with 2 and 1 third minus 1 and 2 thirds. Springling wants to hop to find the distance between the two numbers, so we're going to start by putting the subtrahend the second number on the subtraction problem on the open number line. Then we'll draw a line and put the minuend at the other end. As we look at the distance between 1 and 2 thirds and 2 and 1 third, it should remind students of looking at the distance between whole numbers. If students aren't familiar with Springling, however, there's nothing wrong with taking upper grade students back to the whole numbers to understand the concept with an open number line. Starting at 1 and 2 thirds, we can easily see if we just did a 1 third hop, we're going to be at that nice whole number 2. From 2, we want to get to 2 and 1 third, so we know it's the distance of 2 thirds total. Let's take an example with higher numbers, 12 and 1 fourth minus 6 and a half. I recommend using friendly fractions with springlings as kids are starting to develop the understanding before moving to more complicated ones. Friendly fractions might be 1 fourth, 1 half, 3 fourths, things that kids are able to relate to, maybe time or even quarters in a dollar. For this example, springling will start with the subtrahend at six and a half and then we'll look ahead all the way to the twelve and one fourth. She can see that six and, a, six and a half is only a half a hop away to our friendly number seven. We can draw a curved line like a small hill to represent part of the whole. Once Springling gets to the seven on the, num seven on the number line, she wants to travel to the, the next highest number so she can hop all the way to the twelve. In this case, we're going to draw a large peak here to represent the whole number. The same idea applies if you're using Springling for elapsed time, money, or even fractions or decimals. Using a curved line for part of the whole and a large peak for the numbers jumps so kids can easily see those jumps and look at the differences. The distance between 7 and 12 is 5, and then Springling only needs to hop two, or to 12 and 1 fourth, which is only a fourth of a hop. Once I add up all of Springling's hops together, from her going the 1 half, the 5, and the fourth, we can see the answer is 5 and 3 fourths. Using Springling to solve subtraction problems will help to build the number sense that we want children to have as they visualize exactly what's happening when they work with different numbers. In conclusion, the big takeaway message for teachers is we really need to slow down the process of subtraction to help students build conceptual understanding for what they're doing with fractions. We hope these videos in this series will be helpful for you to do that. You can use these videos in two ways. 
One would be in a lesson launch, making sure students have concrete tools in their hands so that they can watch and explore the concept simultaneously. After watching the video, I encourage you to see if students can create other problems like the one we showed in the video to demonstrate their understanding. They can solve their problem with the partner and share out with a small group or even the whole group. You also can use these videos for flipped classroom models where students listen to videos either at home or maybe in another station in your classroom as an inner introduction to what you'll be talking about in the Math of the Teacher station. It's really helpful for students to have more of a background knowledge of what they're learning about before you actually try to teach them, especially if you're teaching in an inquiry-based way. When you're not, you're not really the server of all the information or the giver of all the information, we want kids to have developed deep understanding because we want them to grapple with the concepts they learn and apply them. In our next series, we're going to feature visual models for word problems that you can apply to any of the math programs that you're working with. We're excited to bring you a lot of really great reading comprehension strategies to help your children become more proficient in understanding what story problems are asking. Thanks so much for joining us. And remember, you can join us on any of our social media channels from Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or YouTube with the handle at SIS, the number four teachers.